Hello and welcome back to Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. Just to remind you that this is a weekly podcast I do for the Financial Mail, where it's available online. You can also pick it up on the Apple and Spotify podcast platforms. My guest today is one of my favorite South Africans, and Bazima Shalawa was once head of Kasatu, the ANC allied uh, trade union umbrella, then premier of Gauteng, uh, South Africa's richest, arguably most important province. And we have him to thank for the Gau train and for a brief period, co-leader of COPE, the breakaway from the ANC after Thabo Mbeki was ousted. He leads a different life these days, but he remains someone with a deep understanding of the way South Africa works. And he's one of the few people who, when he's telling you why X or Y is happening here at home, it's best to listen. Uh, Mpazima, thank you uh, so much for joining me here again. I really appreciate it. I wanted to try and catch you early in the year so that we could maybe help prepare folk for what lies ahead in 2022. Uh, the outstanding thing for the year, as we know, is that it will end with the election of a new leadership for the ruling party, and that promises all sorts of ructions and scary moments during the year. We know the party is in trouble, but I don't think that uh, for a moment uh, uh, will make the ride to those party elections any less bumpy. I think we can presume that President Cyril Ramaphosa will want to stand for re-election, and most analysts seem to think he'll have little problem achieving that. Do you agree with that? One, that he wants to stand, and two, that he will. And uh, does that mean that if he does, he gets to sit back during the year and watch his party colleagues fight over the rest of the available party positions? Well, thanks, Peter. Well, I, I work on the assumption that uh, he's most likely to, to make himself available, that he does want to continue leading the party and therefore continuing to be the president of the republic, assuming that the ANC will do well in 2024, which is a different uh, discussion uh, altogether. But I think that uh, if he really wants to be able to do if he wants to stand, if he's interested in the job, if he does want to win, he has to decide whether the best way to do it is to pretend that there's no fight out there or is to rather be able to say, look, I know that uh, I want the job. I know that there are going to be other contenders. It's fine. Let them do that. But I stood on a ticket of a clean government of a clean ANC, of a working administration, that is what I'm going to do between now and the end of the year, and hopefully beyond that period, assuming that um, I'm able to, to win the ANC election, that therefore the people will trust me uh, as well. I think my problem with him is that he's trying to ride two horses at the same time, which only magicians can do. He thinks that uh, the best thing is to unite the ANC, which I agree, you know, no leader should really want to break their party apart, but also thinks that, well, he's got to keep an eye on placing South Africans. Unfortunately, he's not able to do both. My view is that if he was to do his job as the president of the Republic well, the ANC internal ruptures will sort themselves well because many people would want to associate with him and then he would be a shoe in come 2024, which is not guaranteed at the moment. 
It's interesting, though. I mean, and, and absolutely, I, I agree 100% with you. Why does he not see that? Because he doesn't, he, no matter how many, how often, you know, people tell him that you can't ride two horses at the same time, he he stays on those horses, you know, or or or, or doesn't. Um, he's still trying to do both things. Why? What, what is it that holds him back? Why does he? Why does he not choose a horse? I think what holds him back is the ANC itself. Is the nature of the ANC. The nature of the ANC says, yes, you are the leader of the party, but uh, you know, uh, you also serve at the at the pleasure of the 5,000 or so delegates who come from the different regions, provinces, and branches that you need to please everyone because it is the regional leadership that tend to do these things. So it's not what I prefer. What I prefer is a leader says, I'm available. This is what I'm standing for, and I'm going to rally everybody behind. The ANC tend to say, I'll wait and hear what the branches, what the leaders say. And obviously, each leader brings in their own baggage that they say, please, I'm happy to carry on my shoulders, but can you also carry me with my baggage with? So, so, so that's really something that he's got to be able to, to learn to try and, uh, and move away from. You know, just look at the, what Tony Blair did. When Tony Blair, uh, Blair came in, the Labour Party had something called uh, Clause 4, which was really a useless uh, clause, but for historical reasons and for Labour people, for socialists and communists, it was important that the party continue to pretend that it's a party of socialism. He decided, okay, we're going to get rid of that. Many people said, you do that, we will chuck you out. He said, that's fine, you'll chuck the leadership out as well. You will also kiss uh, goodbye the premiership and of course in the end they backed him and he gave him 18 years yeah no it was quite it was quite extraordinary i mean what should people be looking for this year folk ordinary folk let's say ordinary folk i mean people who've got you know who are busy trying to keep businesses going and 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 families and that kind of thing what do you look for what should they be looking for what signs and what events um uh, during the course of the year, up until this uh, party election in December, as signs that maybe you know the, the the good guys, if you can call them that, the Ramaphosa faction, if it is a faction, or the Ramaphosa team, uh, as opposed to the former Jacob Zuma crowd or the RET uh, faction, as it's now called, Radical Economic Transformation. What do you what do you look for in the course of the year to know? how things are going for either faction. What are the big events? What are the big things to, to look out for? I know it's counterintuitive, but my, my, my own feeling is that um, we are better off uh, leaving the ANC to worry about its own um, affairs and, and rather focus on what is it that needs to be done in the country. In other words, uh, instead of believing that a big man in the form of Ramaphosa, a big woman in the form of um, Lindwe Susulo, or anybody else is really going to be our savior, we need to be able to say, how do we ensure that really, regardless of who the leader of the ANC is, 
and or who the leader of the country is. What are the key issues that need to be able to function? Which we are able to say more broadly, this is where we're going to go to. And I think it's something, Peter, maybe, I mean, you have tried to take up with the with the DA, even though I think, uh, you know, just like the ANC is also falls on deaf ears, is to say, we are in, in South Africa. Can we spell out what are the challenges we face in terms of poverty, inequality, unemployment, and all of those things, which every good political party should do? The difference would be, these are the specific party policies that we as the DA, EFF, ANC, or whatever is going to do. Secondly, people that begin to say, you know what, let's see if there's no possibility of an alternative, because I think assuming that all our salvation lies with the ANC or the DA, we're going to land uh, on our backside and maybe not be able to get out of the mud. We've got to start accepting that, you know what, maybe let's look more on strong institutions, on strong uh, working of South Africans. Let's rather work on the basis that says, regardless of who the party leader is, insofar as the country is concerned, we are strong as South Africans in the same way we could tackle the National Party, in the same way we could deal with the Zuma presidency, we will be able to survive beyond what happens. And therefore, as a business person, to say that, look, these following things is going to work. There are some things which a lot of noise is going to be made, whether it's Patel, whether it's Ramaphosa himself, um, you know, but most of which we know, they'll chuck them off as soon as the ANC elections are done. They'll chuck them off as soon as the national elections are done. Yeah. I mean, I guess, that, you know, what people want to know when they hear people like you saying that is what, what is it that I can do? I mean, what can I do as a citizen to help fix a country that would bypass, you know, the powers that be? I think it's very difficult because I think our country seems to be fixated on party politics rather than on politics. You know, most countries, citizens, are engaged in politics, whether they are business people, whether they are business people, whether they are trade unions, whether they are just individuals, they work as civil society, and they are never seen by parties as well unless you are with us. You know, the DA, for instance, or um, Mashaba, they should really be focusing on what broad ideas that are workable, that are solution-oriented, should we be asking for from South Africans so that if we want to be an alternative government, we are not alternative because we say so, not because we are so shrill against the ANC, but because people think things will work under us, that we're going to be able to act differently. At the moment, it's like you think, ah, look, man, they're all the same, you know? Yeah. So you're looking for an idea. I mean, who's got the, who's, give me one good idea. Unfortunately, what happen, what's happening a lot at the moment, as you, as you know, is that uh, some of these po- political parties, opposition parties to the ANC, I suppose, some of the alternatives, let's say, um, 
uh, have have found an idea, and it's called getting rid of foreigners, which is deeply unpleasant and and not very attractive. I mean, it might be attractive to a lot of people. Um, this is probably why they're trying to 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 press it, but um, you know, you would have you would you would hope for better. Yeah, no, no. In itself, it's not going to bring um, it's not going to bring vote. It is going to make uh, political parties seem a little bit more more popular. But I think many people know that yes, uh, uh, it, it, I think somebody for me, uh, my focus would not be on what do I do with foreigners. It will be on how do I ensure that our immigration laws work and work effectively. Immigration laws that work properly would be able to say, these are the kind of people that we want to welcome with open hands in in South Africa, that would want to ensure that we bring them in for their skills. But at the same time, there are skills which we have in abundance in South Africa that we want to be able to use and all of that. So put together a proper immigration law rather than one that supposes that everyone who is a foreigner here is unwanted and or that if they were to leave tomorrow, everybody will be able to find a job. That is not possible. You need also to be able to say to Ramaphosa at the moment, I think that as long as he continues to pretend that there is no problem in Zimbabwe because he does not want to piss off um, Nagawa, that there are no problems in Swaziland and so forth, we must accept that people will continue to come in here, regardless of what um, everybody yeah. else says. Yeah. Just uh, just to come back to the ANC, because and I only I only do this because it's the elephant in the in the in the room. Um, I'm trying to just sort of get a feel for what you know what life looks like post Ramaphosa. And we'll come to the election in a moment, you know, and, and in 24, and they might well not win a, an overall majority. But what is the sort of leadership cue in your mind looking like? You know, the recent I mean, forget Lindiwe Sisulu. She will. She will may or may not try and stand for the leadership again. She's bound to lose. Um, but you know, in years to come, in in twenty six or whenever it might be, who, who are we looking at as possible ANC leaders? What do you, where do you, what do you think of Ronald Lamola, for instance, the Justice Minister? He seems like a very bright young man. Yeah, I think that you know, I've I've taken a view that it's a curse to try and promote someone based on one good deed that he does here, one good he does there. You know, if you remember two or three years ago, people were thinking Zuelim Kize is going to be our savior once Cyril is gone and all of that. And we know what really happened, um, what happened there. Mm. I think that the problem with the ANC mm. is not so much that they don't have leadership, is that they are not willing to allow anyone who wants to stand for leadership to indicate what their own vision is. It's like you say, you know, this is the vision of the ANC and we're going to try and find anybody who will try and move on that particular basis. So even if somebody um, understand that, look, uh, you need a transformed ANC. You need an ANC with a small but effective machinery. You need a party that is able to identify 
broad policies, not just on the basis of this is what Marx, Engels, uh, and so and, and so and so once said, you know, but rather because this is what we have seen work in most economies, uh, and some of them would be would need to be able to say to business people, you are wrong on some of your own uh, ideas and thinking. Yeah. They may seem like they are very good ideas. They may seem like they are that. And, and also they accord with what you call market economies, but they're not going to work. Let me give you an example of something which I know is a bad deal of yours, which we put in the labor law, but which the unions, even when I was there, they were opposed to it, including um, you know some of the guys who are now in government. But which can really still be used. You know, we allowed for these things of um, uh, ownership by workers, uh, you know, to be made available. It's included, it's in the Labor Relations Act, but nobody wants to go in that route. So everybody speaks about, well, state-owned enterprise, but what is a state-owned enterprise in which somebody holds things on your behalf? Instead of saying, okay, Let's see to what extent, since we say the stock exchange is primarily PIC and PIC, most of it is workers' money, how about per enterprise, per company, we ensure that everybody is involved in. Suddenly, you've got a, everyone has a stake in how the country can move forward. Businesses could champion something like that. Political parties could champion something like that. But no. Nobody wants to do that because it's seen as, well, how can you have workers on boards? You know, they're going to, they don't understand issues of profits. And at the same time, the union saying, well, we don't want to be co-opted and so forth. It becomes a mess. And finally, on this same issue, Cyril Ramaphosa, Inokorong one, Wedemandash, EP, many of those people were trade unions. They know about social compact. We went with them to, to look at the island. We looked at Holland. We looked at Norway. We looked at all of those countries which were successful yeah. because of the social compact in which certain things were agreed to, both by business and labor. And there they are. They've got no interest in really trying to push this well, issue I mean, of social compact. Part of the, the, um, the, as I understand it, I mean, because Ramaphosa, whenever he speaks, talks about creating a social compact, um, and he did. He did seem to even achieve one before in in late 2019. But he then, when we went into uh, the COVID restrictions and lockdowns, he threw the COVID. He threw the the compact out of the window because basically he wasn't listening to business. Business was desperate. To be heard, uh, and couldn't get a word in, and I just wonder what luck he's going to have now, trying to get them back to the table to do a social compact again. Um, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Now, Peter, uh, of course, you know, social compact can be a one issue, but can also be a broader issue. It can mm. be one in which the state says, "Look, we have a problem with the fiscus." This is what we are going to do to rein in the fiscus. But we also want more investment from the private sector. This is what we're going to do to ensure that 
you are able to invest better. But this is how we're going to deal with the difference between money that you invest, tax breaks that we give you, and issues of dividend. This is how we're going to, to look at the issues of an, of an incomes and an incomes policy. An incomes policy envisages wage policies and other things. We're going to be able to say, look, there's a different package we want to do with the public, with the public sector unions, but there's a bigger one that we really want to do with the manufacturing. And I think sometimes Ramaphosa seems to focus on, well, you know, let me see what I can be able to do. For instance, you can't have any deal in the manufacturing industry unless you bring Vavi and Numsa in. The reality is that Cosatu does not represent the majority of manufacturing workers at the moment. Yeah. And they've kept them out. Whatever the reasons may be, Cyril should know. You talk to everybody. Trade unionists are reformists in nature. You talk to them about anything, they will come on board. You keep them outside, they're going to peace outside into that tent. It will be so smelly, you wouldn't know what to do about it. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting is that, um, I, 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 and I watch the, the sort of, for the nuances in these discussions, the ANC as a party is interested in compacting and merely, it seems to me, as a um, as a job creation uh, exercise. And you talking about incentivizing and all sorts of subtle subtleties that you never hear from, you never hear from the president. So when he's closing the uh, Lakotla the other weekend, there was an NEC and then I think an Alliance Lakotla, um, he says again, we need the social compact and we all have to, has to be give and take. And he has what we will do. And then he has what business to do. They will have to make um, investment commitments that we can check, you know. And, and, and my feeling was, well, who's going to check in your commitments? Who's going to check on, um, on productivity commitments made by the unions? All the only one that get checked up on is business, which seems to me to be unfair. And what will happen? Because I see that EP, uh, Brian Patel, the Minister of Trade, Industry, Competition, whatever, um, he is now um, going to try and change the uh, Companies Act in order to get people on the boards. But once again, it will be an act of um, enforcement rather than, an, uh, rather than a voluntary discussion where maybe even the government just is going to do with the government. You know, if you could put... If you could put the unions and business inside an office and close, lock the door, and you know, tell them you'll keep it locked until they come out with an agreement, maybe you'll get somewhere. But the moment government sticks its oar into it um, and wants to check and verify everything all the time, business is going to walk away from that. You know, they're not going to listen. Yeah, no, I think there is a problem in business and in government, and I would also say in the trade unions. You, you see, Pira. Um, we could make deals when I was the general secretary or when Jay was there because they were also business leaders, but like Bobby Godsell, like Leslie Boy and others who could think outside of the box. Uh, at the moment, business leaders are also politicians. They're thinking more in terms of how can we work with the ANC rather than 
what are the key needs of government, of business, and what are the things which we as business leaders can go to business and say, guys, it is not going to work unless we make the following offers, we make the following changes, we are going nowhere. Similar with the trade union leaders, they need to be able to see, okay, look, of course there's an issue of wages, they say of minimum wages, there's issues of retrenchment, there's job security. But how can we look at all of this more broadly? Cyril need to be able to say, okay, I am going to reduce my cabinet by so much. I'm going to ensure that the perks that many people in parliament are sitting with are going to be reduced. And in other words, it is not little things only. Little things matters. Sometimes a, a gesture will take you yeah. somewhere, but sometimes it's a great idea. And I think the fact that he's not willing to, one, reduce his uh, cabinet, it continues to be bloated. So many deputy ministers, most of them really doing nothing. It, it's, it's, not going to get, it's not going to get them anywhere. So I'm saying that if he was, if he was to say, you know, I'm not going to leave this to Ibrahim Patel. I am going to leave it. I'm going to go and sit down with Zuelin Zimamvadi. I'm going to ask for a leader of Kosatu. I'll get someone from NATO. I'll get someone from Fedusa. I'm going to sit down with them. I'm going to say to business and big business in particular, we're going to go into a two, three day uh, meeting in which nobody leaves until we have an agreement that we want to go out and serve. You'll, you'll be able to do something. I'm saying, even if he can't do so, assuming you had an alternative leader in the DA, in any of the other parties, or including Mashaba, they would be able to say, okay, there's a vacuum. This is yeah, exactly. what we want to be able to do. You could say, okay, well, maybe we're not very good with all of this. Why can't Cyril talk to Jay and and say, look, Jay, you work with Vavi, you work with most of these people. I'm going to bring you in. You know, business people, you're going to help us facilitate. Let's move these things forward. Something can be done, but I don't think there's a, there's a will to go there. There isn't a will to go there. You're absolutely right. You know, what Cyril wants to do is appear at the press conference to make the announcement, not to do the negotiation um, or, the, or, the, or the preparation or the, or the huge amount of, of paperwork that has to has to be done. So just before I left uh, Kosat, one of the things that we did was to, based on this thing that I said we had studied in Ireland and other places, we created something called the Millennium Council. The Millennium Council was chaired by Cyril. It has as its deputy chair, Zuelin Zimavak. It was bringing in business and labor to say, forget about uh, government. Sometimes they don't know what really is happening in the economy. We can do something. And they had put a number of things together. As soon as uh, Zuma's people pulled him um, into that, he abandoned that part. Business, I think, don't even, I don't think they even remember that there's something called the Millennium Council that they had set uh, up themselves. You know? Does it still exist? I don't think so. But Cyril knows about it. He knows he was there. He was willing to dirty his hands to safeguard his own money. Why can't he get business and himself to, to do that, to safeguard his job, the country, 
and money for the country. The, the, the diffi his difficulty now is that he's lost the trust of business, you know, so somebody else is going to have to talk to business. And as you say, it's an opportunity for Herman Mashaba or John Steen Hazen, you know, but nobody knows how to talk to business. Nobody's got anybody's phone numbers. Nobody's got a deep enough uh, passion for the idea that we're talking about. I mean, the DA claims that its, its economic policy is now to have a social market economy. But if you ask most DA uh, supporters what a social market economy involves, they say, oh, well, it's sort of German. And, you know, and, and you want to go, and then what? And, you know, what you have in Germany, obviously, is workers sitting on the boards of companies. That is how they've created a social and economic consensus that makes it the most um, productive, productive industrial economy in the Western world. It's remarkable, and it's been going like that for 50 years. It's not so much that uh, John Stazen doesn't know what to say. It's also that they themselves don't have a broader vision for the country. They know what is wrong. Yeah, well, they just, know what Cyril yeah. is doing wrong. Mashaba also knows what is wrong. But really, if you were yeah. to say to him, what is your vision for South Africa? Give it to me, not in 20 pages. You've got a, you know, you've got a 20 minutes. Here is the country in front of you. What are the big ideas that you have? I bet you're not going to get anything. He's going to tell you what yeah. he thinks is wrong with the country. We know what is wrong with the country. Yeah, we want to exactly. know what are your proposals. We know what is wrong with the ANC. I've said a long time ago, there's no good or bad ANC. The whole ANC is rotten. But the problem yeah. is that even if the whole ANC is rotten, to an extent that the DA, the... Um, in South Africa and anybody else can offer a proper alternative. People say, well, then what can we do? We either stay at home, we'll try our luck here, we'll try our luck there, and then nothing moves forward, you know? No, it's terrible. Just two questions before uh, we, we, cl we close, Mbazima. Um, you've been following the debate about the basic income grant big. Um, the presidency has run an absolute mile from... A suggestion in a story that broke last week that uh, that the Presidential Economic Advisory Committee had advised him ahead of this coming budget not to proceed with a basic income grant and not to extend the current 350 rand month a month um, sort of COVID relief payment for too long. Um, the presidency seems to have been given an incredible fright for this because it's been briefing like crazy against this story to uh, to to the effect that hang on there are other versions um uh, or there there are other uh, requests coming out of the presidential economic advisory committee um uh, to the contrary that do want a basic income grant paid um and that uh, some some briefers some briefers have gone so far as to suggest that the 350 covid relief payment will continue for another year. And I see now, having just um, uh, signed or been delivered of a $750 million uh, COVID relief loan, we're now looking for an $800 million uh, loan, uh, second one from the World Bank. These, um, when did we last borrow from the World Bank? Um, uh, for, you know, for social relief. Um, uh, what is what does Ramaphosa do here? Can he can he 
um, can he contain this rush for um, a basic income grant? Well, I think he needs to be able to separate the two. Uh, if I were him, because he has decided to keep the state of um, of disaster in place, I think he's duty-bound also to be able to, he can't pick the good and the bad of the state of disaster. So I would uh, extend that 350 uh, grant. Uh, but secondly, instead of really looking at the issue of the basic income grant, I would go back to a proper discussion on, on national social security, one in which you clear, these are the people that we can be able to help. This is where we can be able to do some, because in a way, you then don't just rely on, well, there shall be 350. It's fine. It was 350 now is basic income grant. Well, what happens a year later? It becomes, well, it must be 400. It must be 500. Before you realize it's a thousand rand. If you say, look, let's work out a proper policy. And he says that it is not something that he says, I'm going to investigate. He said, I, as the president, I believe in this thing. Therefore, we're going to implement it over a particular period. But this is the process that we're going to follow. Then everybody knows that that's what we want to be able to do. So I don't think he's got any choice but to extend it. Right. And just lastly, uh, Ambazima, um, just for looking for into the future, you know, using your crystal ball, if you, um, let's say the worst happens, right? Well, if you're the ANC, the worst happens, and you get, say, 46% of the national vote in 2024, uh, between them, the DA, the IFP, Action SA, Freedom Front, and a few other right-of-center parties get, say, 35%. Um, and the EFF can put either block uh, into power. What does what does the ANC do in a case like that? So just go with the EFF. It depends whether they whether they see that as an as an interim uh, setback or as a permanent setback. If it, they see it as interim, I would look at uh, you know the DA and uh, Action South Africa and uh, the rest of the people. Because then you also start the process of really a new uh, realignment. Yeah. But that's just me. I don't think that the ANC is capable of looking beyond its own uh, rhetoric and ideology and say, but more broadly, we are a center-left party even though we yeah. pretend to be a yeah. leftist party. Mbazima, Shalala, listen, thank you very much for talking to me today and for your insights. I hope listeners enjoy uh, that as much as I did. And I'll be back next week with another interesting guest on a topic of great importance. Bless you all and take care. 